overabundant for good. That's the Jewish translation of Deuteronomy 28:11a. And the Lord will make you overabundant for good. Overabundant for good. I like that. Don't you like that? I always listen to the praise and the worship and the words that are spoken before I get up. I listen for confirmation, and uh, that just directs me and makes certain, and makes me certain to know that I have heard from God, and that I feel that or believe that I should go in that direction. And uh, the Lord has spoken me in the room to me in the room. Uh, no, it was on the way actually. I don't know when it was. Anyway, it was after I left here today. Amen. <laughs> and he said, um, say that verse in Isaiah about do not turn to the left or the right or look back, but you just go straight ahead, right? What is the verse? You, you said it and think in the car or up here on the way here. doesn't matter. But we're on the way. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Is he not? And so we are set on the way when we're born again, actually. So we praise God for that. Uh, I've never used that word. Um, that's, I'm drunk. I, I see I am drunk, so I better pray. <laughs> Father, I ask you to use me to your glory and, Lord, to the benefit and the blessing of these dear people that have come out, God, and to experience you and to even learn more of you, to have more wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Father, I yield to you. Not our will be done, but your will be done. Not our way, but it's the way, the truth, and the life. We want nothing but to receive more and more of Jesus, more and more of the word of God, that we can walk in this earth as more than conquerors, victorious and full of the Holy Ghost to overflowing. Thank you for the abundance. I bless these people with abundance that you said you would give to us for good. And I bless them that are standing and that they will get jobs or, or they will get promotions or their businesses will come forth. And I just thank you, Lord, that when you get involved, yes, that's why I couldn't start with the message. When you get involved, Lord, it just stretches and stretches, and we don't even know how we are doing what we are doing. But we praise you for it, and thank you that you are the giver, and that you live in us, and that you have made us givers too of the Spirit of God, Spirit, soul, and body, your stewards on the face of the earth, in Jesus' name. And the saint said, Amen. Amen. Well, I spoke to myself that what I'm to read to you is um, something that happened on October the 11th, 1970, well, 2017. I always say 10 years ago, but 20 or whatever it is. But I looked out my kitchen window, and this is what I wrote down, October the 17th, 2017. This appears to be the season for big, and I wrote in big, 
printed it and wrote in capital letters, this appears to be the season for big spiders in Tacoa, Georgia. And so one huge spider <coughs> is on a dining room window. When I pulled the curtain or the drape open, I saw this huge spider on the dining room window, which, of course, you would imagine looks out front. And one is on the kitchen window looking at the backyard. The dining room window faces the front. Today, at the back, that's the window. I was looking out to the back through the kitchen, comma, a huge, huge grasshopper is caught, let me just get here, in the spider's web and is being eaten <clears throat> first from head to back and then down. Yes, it takes time as it is a slow process. But meditate on this. First the catch in the web. Then the devouring of the head, the mind. Little by little. No hurrying, just little by little. That's what the devil does. Amen. Chew by chew, held in the web and in the spider's legs. Recommend reading and study and revelation. And I'm going to turn over there and read it. We're going to read it together. Of Isaiah chapter 59 and the entire chapter. But I recommend the reading and study of that. If desired and pursued, we do have the high priest and intercessor. I wrote this down. No fear here. H-E-R-E. Because we hear, H-E-A-R, comma, and are willing and obey. Amen. May I read Isaiah 59 to you? Because I'm not doing, this is not my teaching. But it came to me this afternoon in that short time we had back in the room that um, I should be reading that again and looking at that. Behold, oh, I love this. The Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, for he will not hear. For, for your hands are defiled and uh, with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue hath murdered perverseness. Now, I would think that he is talking to those that are not willing and obedient. Amen. But then, none calleth for justice. God wants justice. He wants it in our lives, in our homes, in this nation, he, in this church. Everywhere, he wants justice. God is a God of justice and judgment. The Lord says that, right? None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They 
uh, hated uh, cock cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. <laughs> oh my, he that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. This is pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? They, their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever goeth therein shall not have peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We won't, we wait for a light, but behold darkness and obscurity. And for brightness, we do walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. Now, I wrote out the Hebrew definition of salvation. It means help, deliverance, victory, and welfare. Good health and prosperity, deliverance from distress. The source of this salvation comes from outside of the situation. Woo! Glory to God. It is God Almighty that comes into that which concerns us and gives us the salvation in it. Help and deliverance and on and on, the victory. Can you shout amen? amen. For our transgressions, are multiplied before us, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as far for our iniquities, we know them. In transgression and lying against the Lord. I know one time, the this example that always comes to my mind, it, uh, I don't even think about it until it does come at such a time as this, is um, 45 minutes away. I used to drive up there to get my hair done because the person that owned the shop had become a friend at the church that I was going to up there, there which was Jensen Franklin's. And uh, so I was told this in that hair salon um, that a, a mother who had uh, let's see, I think a three-year-old and a baby in the back seat in their little car seats. And she had driven up to a light, and to her right was a dump truck that ran into them and killed both children. And they were seeing at that beauty shop. They didn't know any better. You know, we say things if we don't know any better any different, but it broke my heart, broke my heart for them, 
that they didn't know that our God is not the one who did that. But this was what they said. God told us, God, she said, and they were repeating it, God told me in prayer that this was going to happen. And so she felt that God knew it. Let me tell you, as an intercessor, that God Almighty tells us things, if they are negative like that, is for us to speak the word of God and to go to God that it will never happen. Amen. He's not warning us in dream or vision or word or prayer or whatever to accept it, brothers and sisters. Anything that still kills and destroys is not our God. Why did I read that? Because it says you lie against the Lord. That's lying against the Lord. I hadn't planned to say it, but that's what this says. So it is absolutely true, and we must not do that. We're not going to do that. We're more alert and in tune to the power of our words as never before. Are we not? Okay. In a tr okay. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from my God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. You know who does that? The devil. And you know what you can say when your thought comes in, you find yourself, you know, thinking that or wrestling with that? Say, that's not me. You get out. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you. That's not my words. Those are not my thoughts. And he goes in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the way we overcome him. Uh, Revelation chapter 12. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice, justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth falleth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. P-R-E-Y. Do you know the devil hates us? He is not a friend, and he hates us from the get-go. When we're going to Jesus, when we go to Jesus and find Jesus, and the more we know, it does say, though, this is blesses me, I love to speak it. 1 Corinthians 2.8. He is the prince of the power of the air. And if he knew what he was doing, he would never have crucified Jesus. Do you know why? Because of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, there are many little Jesuses that he has to deal with all over this word, and we are no longer a prey of Satan or flesh. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are accepted in the beloved and not rejected. Can you shout amen and give yourself and God a clap? I want to hear some clap offerings. Oh, we just praise the Lord. Woo! Okay, and let's see now. It displeases him that there was no judgment. Now listen to this. And he saw, now listen, and he saw that there was no man. Say man, not woman, 
not an infirm person that can do nothing else but do it. But he saw that there was no man, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. Women, men are to be intercessors. Women, men, men, women are to be intercessors. In Jesus Christ, there is neither male nor female. It's Billy Brim called me into our office at Rima one day, and I, we were both sitting down. Her on her side of the desk, and I was sitting down in the chair on the other one. <laughs> and on the way down, she asked me this question. Uh, I've called you in here because I want you to tell me what kind of persecution you, you've received. Now, I'm in Bible college, but what kind of persecution you have received as a woman minister? And I hung in the air with her because <laughs> it shocked me. And I said to her, I have not received any persecution because I'm a woman. Are y'all just hearing it? I don't receive any persecution because I am a woman. Colon. Except I didn't say that. If I receive any persecution, it's because I've got the word in me. See, we've got to start looking at the right thing, focusing on the right thing. Amen? She was kind of shocked, but I meant it with all my heart. And uh, I'll never forget at one of Brother Higgins' camp meetings, I think it was 80. And uh, I went to the restroom, and I, it was 80. I had ministered at Buddy Harrison, which was Brother Higgins' son-in-law's church in February. Oh, my. The glory fell. The glory fell. Buddy and Pat... I don't remember the situation, but they were out of town. And Larry Huggins was his associate. Larry's in San Francisco now. And uh, when Larry got up at the end, he said this. He said, the glory is so thick in here, I am wet. My jacket, my shirt, my everything is, is just wet with the dew of the glory of Almighty God. Now, I'm telling you, though, how the devil, devil hates it when you begin to move out for God. In reality, in confidence, he hates it. You become a target. We become a prey. Amen? So I'm at Brother Hagin's camp meeting in July, and I went to the restroom when it was, you know, it's in the arena there. So I went to the restroom, and um, it was a break or something, I guess, and between speakers. And I'm not going to tell you who, but um, someone whose husband was a leader in ministry on the staff at Brother Higgins said, uh, well, I heard about your meetings at Buddy and Pat's in February. I was just waiting, standing there. 
And she said, uh, I understand you're not going to get to go back there because of. And it was because of all that I've just told you. Because there was a breakout. Come on. I didn't do it. There was a bursting forth of glory of God. Since where I was then, 1980, we do mature. And we get stronger and stronger and stronger. At that time, I was not mature enough for this that came. She said, um, I hear you're not going to go back there. That they're not going to have you back there because of it. Hit me in my spirit, in my heart. And I looked at her and I said, well, meekly, you know, the, today I'm not that meek. <laughs> Glory to God. I am bold. It's not because I'm getting old either. I'm just getting bold. <laughs> but I looked at her and I said, well, I'm going back there and minister in August. And uh, she looked like she was going to drop in the floor. And I just dried my hands and got out the door real quick before I burst into tears or something. You know, that hurt me. That, that hit my self-confidence. That's what the devil wants to do is hit your self-confidence so that you will not move out. But you are who you are in Christ. If I ever get to it, I've got a message tonight. <laughs> but anyway, so you know what? I went to Buddy and Pat's. They were there in August. And I prayed all day in the Holy Ghost. That's one thing I learned early on, that if God, if the Holy Ghost doesn't do it, Bobby Sheen doesn't even need to be there. You understand? That's the way he works with me. I, I know it's impossible for, for me to make it up. I can't do that. I am a doctor of theology. Uh, I am associated that because of all my years, all my books and this and all the meetings and places I've been and so forth. Not because I've gone to Bible college, but I live it. Can you shout amen? <laughs> yes, it is, and I've never said that really. But see, anyway, dear sweet people, let's see, back to Pat and Buddy's. Their church, there were about 2,000 people there at their church. And God had me to lay hands on every one of them <laughs> for the anointing. I want you to know it doesn't get so much now, but... For years, all over this nation, where these 2,000 people had gone to after leaving Tulsa, I've had minister, pastor after pastor, minister after minister to tell me that was the night they were called and they accepted that call. That, that was the night they got the anointing to answer the call. But you see, the devil, if he could, tried to stop me and never let me get to that meeting. But in July, at Brother Hagin's camp meeting, sitting somewhere near the front, but anyway, I went back to my seat, and I felt like, a, you know, Jesus said, uh, he became a worm. Psalm 22, 6, I believe it is, that we don't have to be a worm. In other words, whatever the vicarious suffering was, that means 
Jesus suffered it. We don't have to suffer it. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. When it says not some little cliche that, you know, everything, Isaiah 55, was placed, oh, 53, placed on himself, right? My griefs, my pains, my sorrows, and so forth. I don't have to have that. Have I had it? Yes, I had a stroke <clears throat> in 2004 because the devil, he couldn't get me to stop. Come on now. And I tell you, he put me down then. It was when it happened, it was, I was getting ready to go out of town and minister. And so when it happened, it was like a fire engine going off in my head. And so then they told me, the, the, the devil is sly. He didn't hit me frontwise, I said. I'd have knocked him down. <laughs> but he put that thing from, they said, from the top of my spine. Uh, wait, I think it went to the right side. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I think it did go the right side, the clock. And the funny thing about it, listen, you get so, you don't even realize you're saying it or thinking it or doing it. But uh, the local, I didn't even have a doctor. And so my family took me. I mean, it was, it was something. Because I, how did I do it? I was on my back flat. And you know what? I don't think I was saying it because I could not talk for a few days. But it, I, I thought I was talking. <laughs> and you know, the first thing that I thought came out of my mouth was Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, this, you need to read my power, the secret place, because it's not there on there, but it was written in 1990, I believe. Because Suzanne Hinn, being his wife, said, I was writing Spoiling Pipe and Schemes. And she said, no, you need to write the secret place first. People got to get built up before they start to fight the devil. Right. Come on now. That's right. And so That's anyway, right. where did I get? I don't want to get off and lose you. But maybe go back and finish that story about the auditorium but um i went back and i was standing there brother hagan's camp meeting i was just crushed and i said lord you know you're crying out because you're not doing it <clears throat> i don't think i was audibly because you don't want to disturb the people around you or whatever though it was praise and worship and i was talking to my father god about this attack and this person i was so shocked too and that's he always uses somebody that you're close to and so forth and to knock your head off if he can amen and so um i said whatever i said to him and then god said to me where are you always attacked no he didn't he said what is the strongest point of, what is the strongest point of you and about you? And I didn't have to think. I said the anointing. I know what I was in 1980 in it, and I know what I was out of it. Yeah. It was truly the Lord, like he turned Saul, wasn't it, into another man. When that anointing comes, we're turned into another person. Well, who is the anointed one? Christ. So we, he just takes the preeminence Amen. and comes out and does the work and so forth. And so 
I don't think, I don't remember God saying another word after I said that. Maybe he did. But I learned in that experience. The Lord always, I mean, the devil always attacks you at your strongest point. He said he's already got the weak ones. Or the flesh. But he goes after your strong points. Doesn't that make sense to you? Yeah. It does make sense to me. And so when your heart, your mind, your heart wants to do the right thing, and it's your strength, and when the devil attacks you, just tell him, go back to where he belongs. Amen? Amen. Amen. Just leave me alone. That's not my thought. That's not even my whatever. And the devil will have to leave you alone. Now. I just stopped on 16, and maybe this is where I'm going anyway. He wanted to stop. He was amazed. He was astounded that there was no man who was an intercessor. In 84, in a large church, Loveland, Colorado, they wanted me, this was a particular, I don't think I was ministering day and night. I know it's ministering night, but they wanted me to do this meeting. And uh, in the morning, in a morning. And I, again, tell you, I prepared for that. And so then I, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just going to tell you what I learned in that meeting. And I spoke it out to them. The Lord says, my people, this 84, want a revival. Some of my tapes probably in that book are asking me on prayer. But he said, there's not going to be a revival until, I think it's four things. Let me say them one by one if you will give me the memory to say that, okay? Number one, until the men rise up as intercessors. We were in a long time season for years and years where... My former husband used to say, we cut our way through with a uh, hatchet or what? Machete. Machete, thank you. You probably read it or something. <laughs> anyway, she did, he did. And you, I believe, believe you me, I prayed the price to bring intercession to this nation, and then God told me the world, where I went the first time. He wanted me, if I was in a place the first time, minister on intercession and priests and kings, kings and priests. Everywhere. So how did I get off of that? Oh, that was one thing. He said, until the men become intercessors. Women were doing all the intercessors. I pray it's different today. But you know, um, who was that man? He was a missionary to China. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And he, uh, they used to come to have that village where he was and were doing all of China they found out you were a Christian and they were killing you, going to your home and killing you and burning the homes and things. <laughs> Are y'all ready for this? And uh, 
So one night, they showed up in like the street, of course you know it was unpaved and all that, house is kind of sitting back. And uh, so they stopped and they were like astounded and they couldn't come any further. And they left him and his family and his home alone without attacking it. So he asked them, because they were like standing still or maybe later or something, why did you leave us alone? Why didn't you go ahead with your plan of your attack? And so, listen very carefully and stay up with me, word by word. Um, they said, why? Because of those 11 big men, you, Judy, you know, big men that were standing there before you and were guarding you and your home, 11, remember the number. And he went to, oh, you gotta go, sweetie. Huh? Here's the baby's bedtime. Oh, I've enjoyed having you so much, you and your husband, tell him. Okay, come back, sweetie. Okay. Um, but he went to London for a Keswick, I believe it was, convention. And that's the leaders at that day and time of big convention, big convention. And so a little pastor humbly came up to him and he said he was so, he was apologizing to the man. He was apologizing because he called a prayer meeting at his church for this missionary in China. And only, you know, and he was disappointed because it was such a small number. So the man from China, missionary, wanted to know, well, how many were there? And it, he said back to him, me and 10 people, that was 11. It's a true story. So to me, we don't know what we're praying for. We don't know who we're praying for. But that's God's business. Amen? And what we, you know, this to me is the greatest way and walk of faith. That you don't know, you don't see it, you don't know you've prayed through or whatever. But you just pray. Because you do have the unction for the gumption to function. <laughs> and it's just wonderful. I don't know why people think prayer is such a boredom. It's the most exciting thing in the whole world. Not only does it change the situation of people, place, and things, but it changes you. That's right. <laughs> you know, have you ever prayed for somebody and God said, well, you know, in other words, I'll tell you another story. May I tell you a story? I, I'm just going to forget about the other. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, when it was at Rima again, and uh, um, I received a call to pray for a certain young man at 18 in Ohio. He had stolen to get money for drugs, broke into a home. So they wanted to make him an example of what they would do to the ones who did that kind of thing. So they sent him to a state penitentiary. 
and I don't remember the years of the service, but the long and short of it is we prayed him out, and he was on parole, right? Parole, not payroll, but parole. Amen. So <laughs> he was in City Park in his car, and uh, he was stopped. And the police searched his car and him, and they found drugs. So he's on parole. So he has to appear in court, and the two law officers have to appear saying that they called him, you know, whatever, witnesses, is that what they would say? Okay. So the date was set, and the young man was let out of jail, of course, escorted, and went to the court. We'd been praying. In fact, I, they called me, wanted me to pray, and when I went by my bed, I didn't know it at the time. It was just me saying it and doing it. I said, and, I, and kneeling at the bed, I'll never forget it. I, I just go my way down. I said, Lord, why in the world did he do this? We prayed him out, and now he's done it again. He's been caught. You know what the Lord said to me? You can't pray for him until you change your attitude. He said, Romans 14, 4. Who are you that judgest another man's servant? His master is able to make him stand or fall. So I repented and knelt and prayed for the young man. I'm in Oklahoma. I'm from Decoy, Georgia, and this is a young fellow up there in Ohio. On the day of that hearing to send him back to the penitentiary, I'm praying. Of course, I'm one of whoever. And then they called me, and they gave this testimony. As um, they went in the court, and the two officers never showed up. So they declared it a mistrial. And it couldn't be tried again. Double jeopardy. Thank you, Ray. Double jeopardy. Dear sweet people. And he and no doubt his mom and daddy were walking out. And on the big, I can just see them, though I never have seen them, just big, you know how it is, down steps, many steps. Cincinnati, Ohio is a large city, and da-da-da. And as they were pushed, when they pushed the door open to go out, the two officers had come up the steps and they were pushing the door to go in. So the officer said, listen to me. And I'm telling you, something was said this morning, just one little minor word, one sentence. The angels hearken to the voice of the word. And I want to tell you, we are in a season where we don't worship them. Come on. But we are in a season. I've got proof of it. 
that angels, my son, Dan, is just, he's just, and he is alone then. I tell you, Wallace is now at the ministry full time back. But anyway, but he's been ministering on angels, angels. And you can't tell me that angels don't hearken to the word. And that they are involved with our word that is the word of God and changing situations supernaturally. Saving wrecks, saving death situations. We just don't know when we get a burden, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 But he said the men, until the men became intercessors, forget the revival. He was wanting men and women. Because in Christ, we're neither male nor female. What is intercession? Maybe somebody didn't know. It simply means standing in the gap for somebody else. That's what an intercessor is. And Gloria one time, and I am going to put this out because it must be a help. Every word, I believe, is coming from God, and somebody needs to hear it. But Gloria Copeland, she said about 1985 or so, Meekly, she said, teaching. If the devil can't get you, then he attacks your navel. Well, that gets everybody's attention. And then she explained it. When he can't get you, he goes after your children and your grandchildren or whatever he can that is valuable and precious to you. He is defeated, thank God. But we've got to walk the way of his defeat, meaning act like he's defeated. Take our authority. Take the word of God. Are y'all getting anything out of this? And two things, another thing God said, until prayer is taken, you know, churches have a way of apologizing for prayer. <laughs> Sorry, but I know. And so consequently, you meet downstairs or behind the stage or end of some place, but not the sanctuary. And uh, God said, until you put prayer in the church sanctuary and have prayer in the, that's called corporate prayer. We need to, we do here, I know you know that, that they do. But corporate, when a man and a wife, husband and wife pray, that is authority that is untouchable. Because when two or three gather together and agree, but when it's a husband and a wife, he doesn't stand a chance. He doesn't any time, but he doesn't, right? So let me see if I'm able to do it. Good morning, okay. And then the, uh, getting it into the sanctuary. I don't even know what the other two are. That's enough anyway. If we'll just do those two things. Get the book. Ask of me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Blessed be the Lord. I think it's in there. Huh? Okay. All right. So, what is it? Did I re reach a stalemate? <laughs> he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, he brought salvation unto him and his righteousness 
it sustained him. That's one of the greatest intercessory prayer scriptures in the Word of God. Isaiah 59, 16. But look on this. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on his garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Does that remind you of Ephesians 6? Uh-huh. It does. Okay. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. <laughs> You're just sowing seed. That's what it is, too. He will repay fury to his adversaries. Recompense to his enemies. For the islands he will repay recompense. Listen to this. So if we intercede, and then after God, he says he's going to do that, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in, move your comma, because the Hebrew doesn't put the comma there. It puts it. When the enemy shall come in, comma, like a flood, take that comma out, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Hallelujah. And uh, over here in this footnote section, you know, little thing here, it says, put him to flight. Come on, y'all. Put him to flight. Put that devil to flight. Bless, that's what lift up a standard against him means. And the Redeemer. Don't you love it? We felt like we were at Easter or something tonight, right? With, and they set the place. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. Zion is, means praise. That's where the praise of God went forth. I've been there, okay, many times. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Now, he's Israel, but now he's given the name Jacob. Why? Because he, 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 he needed to be named Israel or Isaac. What else? Anyway, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Israel, right? Yeah, Israel. He's different in it being named Israel. Okay, he's okay now, right? I don't know what it would say. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit, listen here, my spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of the mouth, nor, 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 shall not depart out of thy mouth and out of the mouth of thy seed. No, out of the mouth of thy seed's seed. That goes to generation after generation. I always pray when I'm praying as related to a generation of mine. Uh, unto the thousandth generation, Lord, if Jesus should tarry. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. 
That is awesome. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Where are we going now? I don't know. That all came from the spider. Uh, but not the spider with revelation. Hallelujah. Okay. Woo, glory. God, I was in Chicago, Tinley Park. Uh, it was when Irma happened. So I administered, and I was going to leave on Monday. So Linda Thompson, Rob's wife, came for me, took me to the airport. And the... Uh, thing was coming up the coast. It already had done its damage maybe in Florida. And it was coming up. So they said to us outside, I always try to check outside, check in. Uh, well, something like this, you're lucky. We're not letting any planes go to Atlanta. And Delta's not traveling to Atlanta today. No plane is. But this one plane... <laughs> you can get on, they said, this one plane. So I checked in. We hugged each other. You know how you do. And I'm going to the gate, and she's going on. I sat at the gate. He kept saying, oh, the man at the desk, over and over, a delay about something about a delay. So finally at 5 o'clock, and I think I checked in about 11 or 12, something like that. I, w I stood up to that desk, and I said to that young man, I did it from the side, I said, we're not leaving today, are we? This plane is not going out to Atlanta today. He can't, is not supposed to say no. They had given him that instruction. But he reached a hand across, and he did like that. I said, well, what am I sitting here for? Call Linda, hour away, come and get me. I'm going back to the same hotel. Amen? Been nice, okay, on the, all the other stays. But this time, because I had no reservation, they were taking me. When Linda and I walked, on the left side was all this uh, exercise commitment, you know, and glass doors and everything put me in this room. It looked worse than some I've stayed overseas. <laughs> and some, <coughs> whoo, glory. I'd say I'm cold enough now. Hallelujah. But anyway, um, so they, they put me in this room. I tell you, saints, I wouldn't put my dog in there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't have one now, but my cats, I certainly wouldn't put them in there. Amen. It was horrible. But I didn't know why it was so horrible feeling to me. And I had the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> I haven't used that word in a long time either. <laughs> That's appropriate. I didn't know what it was. I don't want to breathe on you since I was sneezing. But anyway, I was there, and I tell you, it was awful. And she was coming for me the next day to take me to the airport, and I did get home the next day, I think it was. But... I'm going to take this clip out right here. I, uh, it was, oh, okay. 
When did the Twin Towers fall? 2000, wasn't it? 2000? 2001. 2001? Because we prayed him in 2000. Okay. This is what I wrote down. On 9-11-17, terrible hurricane Irma hit Florida and traveled up even to Atlanta. After being in Ohio, Chicago airport many hours, we were advised Atlanta airport closed and no flights in and out. In and out. Called Linda Thompson. She came for me, returned me to the former hotel. Floor one, I'd been on the uh, high one, you see. As we walked from the lobby to the room, my spirit became increasingly agitated. Have y'all ever experienced that? Okay. The room was in a worse condition than any third world that I'd stayed in. I said nothing. Then began, then began the ever-increasing fight unto tiredness. Let me, okay, are y'all hearing it? This is not just being tired from labor. This is supernatural demonic tiredness. A lot of it that has been trying to come against us is not from anything but demonic, okay? Then began the ever-increasing fight unto tiredness, weariness, and not wanting to leave my home. I just wanted to stay there, there, okay? This continued, and this I'm writing for 919, on 9-19, and I suddenly awakened with a knocking on my deck door off my bedroom suite. This continued, okay, okay. No one was there, but I heard a knocking. I'd heard it first time in 1984. Come on, not at my home in Brother Copeland's when I was in the room that woke me up during the night. Knocking and laughing, demonic laughing, at my door. I sat straight up in that bed. Heard it again when I went from there to, I was staying in someone's dear friend's home in, uh, at that time. And so anyway, uh, n no one was there. And when you have that, it is a sure sign of demonic activity. Okay? Fear involved. Laughter goes with it. <laughs> i.e. California 1984 at KCM meeting, okay, Anaheim, okay, and Matt Vickerson. I had mind battles as never before after this occurrence, including lack of confidence to lead. I was about to have an upper room meeting starting the 21st through the 23rd at our ministry, and all of a sudden I'm feeling and fighting, Mine, I just can't. I'm, I'm not, I don't even, I can't even lead these people. And here I am, the leader, you see. And so you're tempted to quit. 
you're tempted to, uh, so when you feel that, you have to fight, sweet pea. And then, in capital letters, three explanation points. The light, now I want you to know that I have ministered this about one other time since this was written. I did it, I think, to the upper room, in the upper room. But it, So you all are getting something that you are being alerted to get on the wall. That's God's made that real to me this month and so forth. God is looking for intercessors on the wall. What's in Isaiah, huh? Mm-hmm. He says in Isaiah 20, anoint the shield. You know, we'll read that maybe in a little bit. Anoint the shield. What is the shield? Some weapon of warfare. And what is the shield in the New Testament? Uh, I, it's 6, verse 6, the uh, sixth chapter. Shield of faith. Anoint it. Get the oil of the Holy Ghost on it and sep, sep, instead of dry toast. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah a lot. Okay. And then Monday, 9-18, a text came from a wonderful pastor and his wife. They asked if they could watch the meeting, upper room, on Internet. They were in Boston. I responded, no. And we only seat 50 in that upper room, and it's used. And this, this meeting is used, very covert. Do we have a military man, past, present, future, in the room? You know what covert is? Oh, Lord, I love that word. Oh, I love that word. And what is it? Stealth is covert. Yeah? What are we to do? We're to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Right? That shows us we got a, we've got a side in us that is not us exactly. We are strong in him. Right? Yes, ma'am. So, Okay. But then, uh, okay, wait just a minute. Little and very covert. Little did I know, I am now, which is September the nineteenth last year, getting more and more knowledge and understanding. And I wrote here the definition for covert according to Webster. I always pick out things that I think apply to what we're looking for: sheltered, concealed, hidden, and secret. Do you get it? I love the covert. I've got a tin set of DVDs in a tin box. On, uh, uh, it's giving the history of different battles the covert people have fought that are not even told publicly. And I've got that. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lamb. Huh? Amen. Number two, it says shelter or hiding place. Now, God said to Charles Capps, comma, by observing circumstances, they, parentheses, my people, lose sight of my word. Are y'all, in other words, we're focusing on one or the other. And so if we're going to focus on circumstances and put that in first place, then we lose sight of the word of God that counterattacks that. So we can't do it. Revelation puts you in a no-quit or no-stop position, but a stand-strong status. Okay? Y'all are, are y'all bored? No. 
I see yawning began to happen. Maybe we're just getting comfortable. Okay. <laughs> the devil can't scare or shake. Okay. Everything Satan touches is destroyed. Everything God touches lives and thrives. Revelation 9-11, Satan is the destroyer. Dr. Lester Sumrall, the greatest that I know that uh, come, come against the devil, he didn't put up with him. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. And uh, what did he say? I don't know. Uh, read it to you in a little bit. Okay. Oh, I know what it is. Satan is the destroyer. He was somewhere and he went, in, went into his room and turned on television and Apollyon was on the television rather than the television program. And Apollyon now said to him, I will destroy America, but I will do it within. That's called implosion. So there's our, some things to pray about. Is our nation, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Pray for our president. Pray for our vice president. Pray for the nine Supreme Court justices. Come on. And pray for a majority. God told me, and I was laying hands on Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas because they had a dinner in July 1992 and invited me to be the speaker at that thing. And this dinner was to honor Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. So I sat on one side of the podium and he sat on the other. And then they asked me to pray for him. Well, I can't pray for anybody without putting my left hand on their spirit man. Can you shout amen? And so I was doing that, and God gave him a wonderful prophecy. Since it's been 92, it's a long time ago, and I may not get it word for word, but it was in one of my overflows. And, and, but God said uh, to him, you, you, you're not uh, Supreme Court justice by the vote of the people, by your... Uh, intention, however you said it, or your wife's or anybody else's, you are there because I put you on the Supreme Court. And God said, I, well, he said to Clarence Thomas, you are my prophet on the Supreme Court. And he said this, he said that he didn't have to speak a word and if you read what they write about him, he's kind of odd. He never talks. But when he does, he has something to say. Yeah, I've read that in the Newsweek or whatever, papers or whatever, magazines. And God said, you're anointing, just the anointing on you. And by that, I'm going to have a majority on the Supreme Court, and I'm going to get it done but it's because I put you there. Now, I believe this, whatever, was it Gorch or Porch or 
this last one. Marvelous Christian, I'm told. Understand? So there's one or two that needs to go. So a majority can come. When it's time, there's not a doubt in my mind that it will be. Amen? Amen. And however, that's not my business, but it's going to be. Amen? So, you know, I asked them about a year or so later, I want to know why you invited me to be the speaker and da-da-da, you know, for Supreme Court Justice, Clarence Thomas speaking to me. And they kind of looked at me and grinned and... And so then they spoke, said, number one, said, uh, oh, that was an order maybe, but you, you're from Georgia. So his grandmother in Georgia raised him in Georgia. Good things come out of Georgia. There's no doubt about it. And number two, uh, they said, you are a woman. Well, I understood that. Y'all understand it? Why a woman? Because it was a woman that tried to destroy him as he was being considered in November. I don't know how many months before he's gone on to be a Supreme Court. But the woman lost. You know why she lost? Because that church that I go to up there that introduced me, took me in to see him and meet him and do all that and was having that meeting in July. Their people, as uh, Colonel Thomas and um, Elizabeth were going in to be interrogated, that woman doing all this, they were lining the uh, sidewalk and you know the military? Who, who raised it here? Oh, this man. You put the bridge up they were standing on either side of that sidewalk so that when, oh, I'm having chills. I, I want to say a puzzle, but when Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and Elizabeth, and she was at that time Episcopalian and may still be, but baptized Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Hallelujah. Come on now, saints. A lot that you don't see on CNN or Fox or no newspaper or whatever else or hear from anybody is told. But God is not losing in Washington, D.C. God is winning in Washington, D.C. And because he's winning, we're winning. Can you shout amen as a nation? It's good God. Hallelujah. So they said, because you are a woman, you're from Georgia. Okay, I've explained that. Whatever other two things they said. And, it, you know, it was true. But God knows who he wants in the lineup to do his business. Amen? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Let me read you this and we'll see where God's going. Uh, we were on Satan. He is the destroyer. Okay, I don't, uh, I, this came next, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. And unskillful there, so for that reason, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, unskillful. That means having no experience. That means uh, taking the word of God but not having any experience in it, and it 
you know, you gotta have, we have to have experience, right? Yeah. And I have written something, I put here focus equals C41216 in another journal, okay? But, but this is what I'm wanting to get to. Because these are the days, my dear sweet people, we've got to know those who labor among us. And we've got to know who we're letting in to be our dear friends. And I'm not in any way cutting out anybody, but I'll give you Dr. Sumrall's three keys of how to. And um, <coughs> three ways <coughs> the desire to control others expresses itself. In other words, if people are trying to control you, this is three keys that will identify that they are doing that. Do y'all ever have anybody trying to control you? Only God, and we don't even, he doesn't even want to control us. He's given us a free will. It's our choice, amen? But then Dr. Sumo said this, three ways the desire to control others expresses itself. Colon, I wrote it down, manipulation, comma, intimidation, that's the devil, intimidation, all of these are the devil, but used by people, comma, and then, and domination, they want to dominate you, period. Then wrote this, we feel secure, or let's say a person, not we. A person feels secure if they can control others. Then they do not threaten us. If, But it's not us. I put this in the first person, but uh, uh, let's see. They, in other words, they're not, let's see. Okay, let's just leave that out. Then they do not threaten us. Anyway, figure it out. I can't write the moment. They do what we want. When a person is controlling you, you give in and do what they want you to do. That's simple, really. Whoo, glory. He respects, meaning God. God, on the other hand, never seeks to control us. He respects the free will he has given us, although he does hold us responsible for how we use our freedom. That was written by Derek Prince. Have y'all ever heard of that man? Yeah. What a teacher he was, amen. I got to sit under him one time. He's the one that led me into my first gift of the Holy Spirit. It was supernatural that I was even there. What it was, it was at the time when my two boys were in school and they had spring break. And I went 200 miles away from Columbus, Georgia to Decord, Georgia, and we went up for the spring break. Saturday, my mother received a call and the call was from her sister and her sister and her husband had come up from Macon to Derek Prince's, we have Lake Louise there, which is a Southern Baptist campground. It's quite intense. It, R.G. Letourneau built it. 
and Argilitorno is the one who gave 90% of his income to the kingdom of God and kept him. He couldn't outgive God. He supported missions and every other thing. Anyway, he was man. But that's that's core judges, though. But anyway, um, Derek Prince said that. I want to read it again. He said, he respects the free will he has given us. Talking about God. Although he does hold us responsible for how we use our freedom. Okay, now we're going to another sense. One main tool of manipulation is guilt. I believe some people are getting free in here tonight. Not by Bobby Jean, but by the Word of God. And you know we don't have to go around saying it and hang a sign out, but we just stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, and we don't let them do it. God's people have to and must learn to command in prayer. God knows what's wrong. We don't have to stand there and tell him, right? But command that devil to do this or that, right? Command those demonic power spirits to do this or that. Then I wrote down, endure hardness. As a good soldier, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, and read it to the end, I said. Endure hardness. There's no softies if we're going on to follow Jesus. Mm -mm. We're not weak, we are strong. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. And then I did begin. You see, I have my little elastic thing there. On stewards, that's, um, since I'm not going to teach on it, I'm going to tell you that's what we are. A steward. I'll give you only, let's see, I'm just going to read what I, written, I have written down on this, this part, a half page, this, okay? First Peter 4.10. I do want to read that. First Peter 4.10. Okay. He keeps talking about the angels to me. <clears throat> and he says, and he turning to Peter, he says in Hebrews 1, 14, well, let's read 13. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? He only said that to Jesus. And then 14, he says, are they not all ministering spirits? sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Now, my grandson, Jonathan, he's, he's a warrior. He's strong. He had two tours in Iraq. And on the second tour, and, you know, this was, uh, when something bad does happen, it kind of challenges your faith. And so... Uh, his, he was the commander of the vehicle he was in, but he, they'd been out. They had one hour of rest. Now, these soldiers can go, be on duty and go and doing their job 24, 36 hours. It's amazing. And people, we just need to pray 
for our military, our law enforcement nationwide. Come on, y'all, every day. We need to pray the Lord's Prayer or say it every day. I just read that or learned that somewhere. So I'm going to start. I haven't started it yet because it was right when I was coming here, but I am. But anyway, on the second tour in Iraq, they'd been out. Jonathan, was he was just weary. And so there was a driver and then somebody in the front seat on the right. And he would have been in that place as a commander, but instead he was in the back seat. His best friend that was in side by side with him in Iraq, but was sitting next to him. Jonathan laid down on the floor some way. You know, I don't understand it all, but he did. And he said to his friend, oh, lay down, you know, whatever. And his friend was, mess he was doing his computer work. And so they were in a vehicle that is a new vehicle. And uh, I can't tell you what it was, but it was something that no bomb is supposed to be able to go through. And yet, the bomb went through, and it severed his best friend's head off. All the doors were locked. Later, I learned, because I went out there to Hugh, what's Sam Houston Hospital out there in uh, and San Antonio, we admit. And he, I talked to this young man. He was in the same hospital with Jonathan, but anyway, out there. And he said he was a gunner on top, and when that hit, it knocked him 50 yards off of the top into the desert there. And they were right at the Iranian border. I didn't know that till about a week ago. Lord of mercy. But anyway, he was there. And so the locks on the vehicle were locked. Nobody could get them open. Nobody, they couldn't get out. It's The thing is on fire. And Jonathan said, Jesus, and the locks popped up. Wow. He climbed out and went around to pull his buddy out and the head. And he couldn't get the door open. And so he clogged and tried to pull that door open with his left and his right hand. And that's why he was burned on his face, but it didn't have one scar. His hair was singed. It was amazing by the time we got there, by the time they took him from Iraq to Germany and then to Andrews and then to San Antonio. And by the time we got there, he had stuff dripping off his face, that stuff they put on him. But he doesn't have a scar on his face. But I'd never say this to him. He's made a remark and teasing. One time he's a great teaser. And he said... Um, you know, it's he, his hands are just skin over bones. And his, his hands, I'd never say it, but, you know, they stay red. And in the wintertime, it's really kind of hard, but he's right. But they did all the grafting here, then it wouldn't take. So they peeled it all off and uh, of his hands and didn't give him a thing. That's nuts. Didn't give him any pain reliever, I'm talking about. Just pull more skin off, did some more grafting or whatever they do. So anyway, what am I starting out to say? I don't know what I'm starting out to say. But anyway, it must have been good, huh? You know what? I was just going to say that. Thank you. Anyway, 
God is good. Have y'all gotten anything? What is it? Oh, angels. Dan's teaching on angels. Oh, Roy Hicks. Did y'all ever hear of Roy Hicks? He was president of uh, Four Square Denomination until his death, right? But he taught, he was a good friend of Brother Hagin's, so he came and he taught us and at Rima sometimes. But Roy Hicks, oh yeah, he taught that that verse of scripture, Hebrews 1.14, and we will go into 1 Peter 4.10, so somebody turn to it and I'll put the microphone at you and let you read it sometime. But anyway, Hebrews 1.14, they are ministering spirits unto the heirs of salvation. Now, if I'm right and my memory is correct, Dr. Roy Hicks said that two men or more can be in a foxhole, but one is taken and the other one is not, meaning in death. Now, he said, if y'all, anybody knows otherwise, please correct me. But I believe I remember he said that God knows that one is going to heaven. So he dies and goes immediately to heaven, but the other one is saved. And you would think in the natural it should be right the opposite. But he said it is because God means for that one. I tell you, I don't believe a person is born again without somebody having prayed. Amen. Grandmamas, aunts, whatever, uncles, or granddaddies, or daddies, mamas, whatever. And that person is saved so he can receive Christ Jesus. But the angels were over Jonathan then, right? Oh, then I was leading up to this about him. He is in an active reserve right now. He's in California, special ops, training more. But he is also, he was a GBI. That means Georgia Bureau Investigator. They moved the, uh, the main office so far away from him, he would have had to move, and he's not going to move because he's happy. <laughs> His family's in Livonia, Georgia, amen, 13 miles from uh, the thing is. But wait, what am I saying now? I want to tell you for sure about Jonathan and about Angel. Huh? What is it? Well, it's past that. Uh, it was before that, but it's past that. Oh, thank you, Tim. It didn't bring it to my remembrance. I see him. He's wanting me to get with it and lay hands on whoever wants hands laid on. But, but, uh, okay. One per it hit the Fox and CNN and everywhere. One crazy man shot two Livonia police officers. Of course, the sheriff's department, the uh, those on duty, off duty, police, they're all right there. And the man got away from him. This was I-85 and north or south. And so the man, he gets away and he runs across I-85. So uh, going off in the woods over there, uh, the one that's going north, he's go starting at the south and going over. And 
Jonathan and about, I think he said two or three others were with him, but they were running right behind him. Listen, it's a long distance through those woods to that hospital down there. And that's where that man, if he had gotten in that hospital, there's no doubt into my mind, he was crazy, and he would have shot the nurses, the patients, whoever. But somehow, uh, Jonathan had tackled him, and so I don't know the story, but he did. But anyway, we're outside now of the hospital, and that man turned, and he's about to get a hold of him and tackle him. Now, when a special up person tackles you, you know you're tackled, right? But before he did that, could get him, the man pointed his gun and pulled the trigger at Jonathan, but it did not fire. That's our God. That's the difference in obeying him and serving him and willingness and not, sisters and brothers. God's not doing it. We make the choices. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So I think that's all he wanted me to say. And uh, y'all been blessed. Yes, you looked about like me. You need to go home and go to bed. Hallelujah. But we never, next time, we'll get to, if God's will, to stewardship. But you can imagine what it means. That means everything God, oh, I was going to tell you this, just close it out on stewardship. Well, not necessarily close it out and teaching it. But what are you gifted with? See, God has gifted each and every person with something. My mother was a marvelous teacher of the Word of God. And um, she represented all of the Ninth District in Georgia at the women's conference in Portland, Oregon one time. I mean, she was, she's that kind of woman, though. She was married, and I'm an only child. And she, they've gone to be with the Lord, Mom and Dad. And, but um, she was busy about the father's business. But Mother had a gift of sending cards. Sending cards. I tell you that because it's the truth. But it, isn't it simple? And so people, she'd let me read the cards sometimes, you know, if the time would allow that. The people, without exception, they, they would say, I received that card just at the moment of time when I needed that encouragement, that card, or whatever. She did that throughout her life, and she got to the place, brothers and sisters, that should have me to put the addresses on the envelope, and then she'd scribble her little name. And I always would write a little word to her, or verse of scripture, or both. And she, she couldn't write, but she never, that gift, it was there. And she fulfilled it almost to a death. So what has God given you? I say this, you know, if you're Italian, you could cook me some good Italian food. <laughs> if you make coconut cakes, you should cook me a coconut cake. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I bet those things are true. But 
you've got something in you that God wants to use you for you to release that gift to others. Now, saints, this is not by machine. And I never would have said it before, but I have said it uh, in the last month. I have a gift to release the gift in you. Is that right? I have a release to release the gift in you. I have a gifting, the anointing on that gift. So I expect, well, you know, I taught. They wanted me to teach on the gifts of the Spirit in Tennessee about 1985, nine gifts of the Spirit. God really summarized it up with this. What do you want to do? That's your gift. Uh huh. What do you want to do? That's your gift. The first gift I wanted, that's called covet. <laughs> I wanted after I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I thought it was so cool to interpret tongues. And I, that's what I wanted. And the, I'm not going into that, but it was a supernatural occasion that I got to Decoy, Georgia, spring holidays, remember? And Derek Prince was there, and everybody had come from everywhere. They had not one seat in the place open. But I went out to R.G. Letourneau's thing. It was built like a, a dome and then a wheel is what he built it as. But they've built in some of those wheels. But anyway, and um, so I'm standing there talking with them. But, you know, what was in my heart, I didn't, I don't know. It seemed like I was bolder than I would be now. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, I'm purposed in my heart. I, I, I've come down here really to get in that meeting because I haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost long. But I wanted the gift of interpretation. Didn't dawn on me until last year or the year before. I let them go on in, <laughs> get their seats, and they thought I was going home. But you know what I did? Because it was in another building. The meeting. I marched down the, out of the building. See, I learned after I received the baptism, the Holy Ghost, because I was in a position of authority in the local church to do it. But when you act like you're supposed to be doing something, you can get by with it. Example, I could go into any uh, ER room. Is that what you call it? Because I acted like I was supposed to be in there. They'd call me and tell me to go in so-and-so's and pray for so-and-so. And, uh, no, they'd just say pray. And I'd turn my way and just walk right in, do the praying, walk out like I just was supposed to be there. We quit. We've got to quit making apologies for who we are. And we've got to let God order our steps and direct our path and do the way and so forth. But anyway, I just walked down that sidewalk, and there was a lady at the door, a greeter. Now, they had already told me every chair is taken. And uh, I just uh, smiled and da-da-da, you know. I'd learned that principle. <laughs> I'm a Sunday school teacher, I guess. But anyway, when I learned it. But I walked in, walked by her, and I went, and there was one seat about middle way on the aisle 
that was vacant. I went in and I sat in that one seat. For some reason, my aunt and uncle went up to the front and they turned around and when they saw me, they liked how I fainted because there I am and they knew all the seats were taken. Didn't occur to me until, I don't know, last year, the year before, or sometime in the recent, I took that woman's seat. these years I tell you God there is no door to our God that is closed you know I don't recommend we do things but we better be led by the Holy Ghost you know how Smith Wigglesworth I know one man I I don't remember it I tell you the absolute truth but this meeting it was in Madison Georgia and this friend that they knew had come from North Georgia and that's in middle Georgia and uh, he was going to he received a a, a doctor's report he had had that what is it cirrhosis of the liver from drinking yeah and had six months to live and they wanted me to pray for him (laughs) and I don't remember but they vow that when I stood to pray for him and went back to him halfway down the aisle that I reached back and hit him right in the liver area. Come on. (laughs) Do you know that? He went sprawling down, and do you know he's still alive to this day, and that was years ago. I don't recommend that unless the Holy Ghost is telling you to do it. (laughs) And you probably won't remember it either if you're ever led to do it. I'm talking and just having a blessing that y'all are letting me do it of these supernatural ways of Almighty God. We've let them go. I've, I've often said, Brother Ray and Carol, that we have learned so much word that we have left off what we really, I don't know how I say it to tell you the truth, but in, if we've just gotten too smart for our britches. <laughs> we've lost that simple childlike faith. And think we are doing it by the confession of our word, <coughs> which is his word. Right. You got me some water? Oh, thank you. Well, y'all come up, okay? I promise you, you won't get this. <laughs> no, you're not. Yes, if you like, Bobby Jean, to lay hands on you for your gift to be activated. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean your gifts aren't activated, but she has an anointing to it, a gift to unlock the gifts. She mentioned an interesting word in, from 1 Corinthians, to covet, desire earnestly, spiritual things to be in operation, things pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Shoulder to shoulder, please. He's the one. I j- he's just flowing. I'm just an earthen vessel. And um, I want to ask you to please raise your hands. But my expectation, and please get far enough away from each other that you don't fall on top of each other. 
when that's right. That's right. <coughs> um, I always start at the left, and I go that way. It's the left for me. I don't know what it is for you. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Get them on the Lord. Father, I thank you that as I lay hands on these precious men and women, they are making a new commitment to you. They are seeing, Almighty God, that they are willing to use the gifts and the anointings that you have placed within them for such a time as this and in the days to come, the future, Lord. And I thank you for that spirit of release. I thank you for the anointing of fire, that they will be so set on fire they will surprise themselves and that they will be just saying and doing things that they know it's not them. It is Almighty God within them. And, Lord, I praise you that in Jesus the best is yet to come. And none of us have seen anything as what is going to come. You said 2018 is the year of the spectacular. And so I'm expecting the spectacular. And I'm expecting for these dear men and women that as never before, they'll see supernaturally. They'll have dreams and they'll have visions. They won't try to do it. It'll just be there for them. And they'll see things in prayer and intercession that they have never seen before. They'll see things in the word, revelation. They'll see things. I see, I don't know who you are, but I see um, some people behind bars. And those, you're going to be out of that prison. You're going to be out of that bondage. No matter what it is, God has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity. But this night as never before, a spirit of power and love and the sound mind is going to be stirred up in you. I am anointed with fire, and I know that I know that I know God's will is that you have the canopy over you and in you a fire, and that will uste lamato osia lute ste likito ma no marista lamorieste limikito. You you will never again be modest. You will look at somebody, and God says you're going to have a gift of discernment. And you will discern and you will know. You'll not just perceive. Oh, you will discern. And it will be a fact to you and it will be a fact that exists. And God says you are to expect better things to come because that is your future. That is your destiny. And he has ordained only his goodness and blessings for you in the time to come. Close your eyes. Get them on the master. Enjoy, God, while you're in the spirit. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy every one of you. Just take it out. Oh, yes, Lord, now. Children of the spirit of the Lord, don't pray. Just take it in. Just take it in. Just take it in. Just take it in. Just
Come on, guys. Okay. That's okay. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Let her husband help her. Yeah, come on over here, Susan. Any of you ushers that have been catching, do you want prayer?
<laughs> I have the authority to close this meeting. Well, (laughs) Father, thank you for your presence. Oh, we give you reverence. And Lord, thank you for the the releasing (laughs) of gifts. Hallelujah. The <laughs> Thank you for the impartation tonight, Lord. That those secret things that you desire and you've spoken, so many different things that were brought forth and so applicable in different, each one of our lives in a different way. But Lord, that we might be fitted out with the word and your anointing. That Lord, truly, this is the best year ahead of us, that we truly will be fruitful and inspire to create desire in the lost for what and who we have. Jesus, precious thing, we stand in agreement for your power and your anointing flowing through our precious Bobby Jean, from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. She's healed, that your power and refreshing in her vessel on a day-to-day basis, Lord, that (laughs) she runs on anointing power, (laughs) God's strength, and the wind of the Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, salabete. And the fire continued to burn brighter. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. <coughs> well, you are officially released. <laughs> God bless you. Take what you have 